You know the vibes, you know what time it is. It's time to put some numbers on the boards. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me as always is Jeff Skin, Wade, and Skin. Holy cow. I mean, we know the NBA season is like a roller coaster, but I feel like the first two games really are, are emblematic of, of what we're in for this season. Yeah, I think you're right. So there's not really one single thing I liked about game one. I mean, maybe we can talk about Jalen Brunson. Uh, that was a huge disappointment after the preseason and all the chatter and all of that to go out there and roll out that. Ugh, that was terrible. And then I don't think a lot of people dug the first six minutes of the first quarter. Uh, the first half was a little bit le- uh, better, but obviously, you know, there have been five and a half quarters that we don't dig and two and a half quarters that we dig a lot. So, um, you know, it's so very, very early, uh, but uh, the Mavericks need to play this season like they played the second half against Toronto. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, in the first game against Atlanta, like you said, man, nothing went right. Although in the first half, I thought they played pretty well defensively, but in offensively in either half was was pretty regrettable at best, and, and those vibes carried over to, the, to game two. But in the second half, that 128 offensive rating against Toronto, and they were able to pull away there at the end and uh, end up winning pretty comfortably, handling the full-court press a little better this time around than they did the last time they were up there. Uh, so that was good to kind of undo and, uh, and exercise some demons. Years yeah. past. Of course, Luka didn't play in that game. We're talking about the night whenever Dallas blew a 30-point lead, and it was really just – it was sad all around. Uh, Shout-out to Kyle Lowry. But um, what happened other than uh, – they went a little small, right? For most of the second half, they played either just Dwight or just KP. Uh, they started the half together, and then for the most part, for the rest of the game, it was just one of them. Is that like single-handedly responsible in your estimation for them coming back? Or uh, um, it, was there a little something more going on? It, it's not single-handedly, but it's obviously a better – I mean, it was so interesting going into that game. I was like – and obviously Siakam's not even playing. I was like, man, there's not a single dude on this roster taller than 6'9". Like, this is whatever you want to call a modern NBA roster physically. That's what the Raptors are. And I was curious how that was going to match up. And I and I don't know that they had to make that change to have success. The defense in the first six minutes of the first quarter was terrible. Um, and, and, and even from an engagement standpoint, there was a lot of, like, cross matches and, you know, some dude watching the guy and he's seven feet away from him. There was – that was a disaster. Um, I do think that there's time, you know, for all this talk about, for example, the lineup of death with Golden State, you know, there's a lot of times where Golden State would roll out Bogut or Zaza or whoever. The, the, the point being is that great teams need to be able to play all different kinds of ways. And so the Mavericks do need to be better when they go to a virtually an all wing style lineup they need to be able to play that at a high level um and so that'll be something that'll reveal itself throughout the course of the year I don't think I think the Atlanta game goes way differently if a couple of those early wide open shots go down I mean you know they got up 10-2 or whatever 
but then they were missing a lot of open shots as well. It wasn't just spacing. It wasn't just those things that were frustrating people. You know, it's the old Carlisle thing. It's a make or miss league. And sometimes, and I think this was the case of the Mavericks when they were missing shots, not having success, they got frustrated and their de- it affected their defense. So it's always like, uh, it's not always an either or thing, but if you look at how the Mavericks competed defensively once they got dialed in and, and stopped the Ananobi bum rush, it, 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 to me, that wasn't just a matter of a, of a, a size change or a lineup change. It was an engagement change all across the board. And these are all things that'll work themselves out throughout the course of the year. And obviously they'll vary depending on the opponent. Yeah. And also props to DeAndre Hunter too, for his defense on Luke in game one. That was the first time he's ever played against the Mavs in his career. Uh, First two seasons, he missed both games in both seasons. And so uh, he's in that, only been one game of course but to me he's in that like ben simmons tier of guys that just will give luca a lot of problems and when you're long and quick and strong like he can't bully you he can't get around you he can't shoot over like it's it's just tough so uh he's he's a really freaking good player but i think the what you said that was really interesting to me was winning in different modes right or being able to do different things to win games and that's why you know what they're trying to do this year is establish defense is sort of like the bedrock of this whole operation, you know, for the last few years. And don't get me wrong. I loved watching the 2019, 2020 Mavs more than probably anybody else alive, because I love offense. I love spacing. I love spreadsheets. I love the whole thing. They were the number one offense in NBA history, right? But their defense was so inconsistent and so generally poor for most of the year that when their shot making wasn't there, they would lose. Or like when they were trying to protect a lead in the fourth quarter, they just couldn't get the stops. They couldn't generate the offense and boom, they'd lose games. And what they're trying to do this year is like, we still want to be good on offense, right? Like we still want to figure out a way to be very, very good, but we want our defense to be consistent so that, you know, sometimes you can play great defense and Dame Lillard is going to hit some 40 footers. But for the most part, you play really good defense over the course of 82 games, you're going to be a playoff team. And then if you can have a really good offense on top of that, then you're going to be potentially a championship team. In the last couple of years, they have not had that focus. It's almost been like inverted, right? Or like maybe right. they've tried to be really good on defense, but they haven't been able to figure it out. Um, and, you know, what what they're trying to do offensively even. So like you're talking about different modes. They want to win with defense as like the primary mode, right? They also want to be able to win shootouts when they have to. But on offense, they want to be able to do it in different ways. Like in the second half, they sort of like reverted to what they've done the last couple of years, which is just one big high spread pick and roll. Luca Powell, Luca KP, two guys in the corner, maximum spacing, just hit a lot of threes. They can do that anytime they want. But we know that that is very taxing on Luca, especially if he has to do it 82 nights and then into the playoffs. And once you get into the playoffs, teams can take that away. So I think what the Mavs are going to try and do, especially in the first 15, 20 games of the season, is see if they can win in multiple ways offensively. Can we make KP work, whether it's in the post or just more isolation or whatever? Can we play through Jalen Brunson more or Tim Hardaway more? Or can we have these two bigs? Do we have to, if we want to score 120 points, do we have to go to Luka and one big every time? Or can we make these other things work? Because we always know they're going to have that tool in the box. Like they can they can whip that thing out and score. It's like the Warriors lineup of death, right? Like yeah. the Mavs, when Powell screens for Luka, it's an automatic open shot. We've known that for four years now. 
but can they find these other ways to score offensively that can be repeatable that you can have as an option through 82 games and more importantly in the playoffs? Yeah, no, you're, you're I, I think you're articulating it exactly. There was two things that I was thinking about as you're breaking that down. Number one is uh, old, you know, veteran dudes and guys that are in the league will, you'll hear them say this all the time defense travels or defense carries. And the idea is like, man, sometimes you go in someone else's gym and you can't buy a bucket. But if you, you said the bedrock, if your foundation is defense, that travels. You can do that in any gym in America, no matter how hostile the environment is. And so that's the idea of you want, it's the modern NBA. You want to be able to, uh, you know, score at a high clip, but there's going to be nights where the shots don't fall and you got to do that. And then secondly, like, you know, you've been down to practice. Tyson Chandler's there and he's not on the payroll. Jason Kidd's the head coach. Uh, we won the 2011 championship for two reasons. Dirk and veteran defense. Like, that's not talked about as much with that team, but Jay Kidd, Sean Marion, Deshaun Stevenson, Tyson Chandler, those boys were playing defense. And so they had to go through Kobe and Kevin Durant and LeBron James. And so that, you know, I think like I understand going, oh my God, look at this Atlanta game. It's the same old crap. Oh my God, man, this is such a long haul. This is really more about, I, I was talking to Devin Harris about this because we have these production meetings for Mavs Live and he was talking about speeds and he was talking about, you could just tell the way the Mavericks looked in preseason versus game one, it was suddenly like Atlanta was playing at a different speed. And we yeah, like, it's getting real now, you know, it's getting real. And so, you know, let's get real with it. These are, these are things that evolve. There's going to be some stretches where the Mavericks win eight of 10 and look unbeatable. And there's going to be some bad stretches. The key is to go through this healthy, find out what your strengths are, find out what your weaknesses are, all while winning games and putting yourself in a position to have a high playoff seat. So there's a lot of things at work here. And they're also going to eliminate the things that don't work. Very famously, I think about Rick Carlisle showing up. You know, the reason, the main reason Avery was replaced was because the offense was stagnant. Um, that's why they traded for Jay Kidd. And if you remember all this talk at the time, Hey, Jay Kidd, you know, finds everybody. And it's like, well, to find people, you have to have movement in your offense. You don't find stationary guys, static offenses. So when Rick first got here, they were trying to ins install part of the Princeton offense. And then, like, they scrapped it after two weeks because they didn't have the personnel for it. And so, started two my, and seven that year, right? I don't Rick's, remember exactly. Rick's first year, I think they did, yeah. I don't remember exactly. Um, but the idea was, oh, this offense doesn't fit this personnel. So you can be fluid and you can be flexible and you can change things as you go. So um, I think, you know, I, I, I there's no, you're not going to find anybody that was happy with game one. There's a lot to take out of game two and to like and to show you the ways that they will be able to win. Yeah, new coach, new coaching staff. And even though the personnel is very similar um, and the way that they're rolling out guys and the rotation is very similar um, it's not like Rick is still on the sideline, right? And they're not right. running a lot of the same plays. Now they can, but again, you want to keep Luca fresh through 82 games. And if you do what they did in the second half against the Raptors, all 48 minutes, every single night for the next six months, he might run out of gas by the end of the year. And so I wonder too, and I, you know, Dirk in 2011 
he torched the thunder for all those games, right? But like a lot of the time, especially in that Lakers series and the Blazers series, and then especially in the finals against the Heat, uh, and you know, this is 10 years ago, it's ancient basketball history at this point, but you know, he they sort of always preserved Dirk throughout games. Like early on, it was a lot of Jason Terry. It was a lot of like JJ Barea. It was a lot of, you know, let's get Tyson a couple shots. You know, let's move the ball around. Let's get everybody involved. And then Dirk would score like 10 or 12 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's how they beat the, that's, that's how they won most of those games. And so I think, you know, we could see that with Luca. Even though Luca's not 33 years old, Luca's only 22 years old. He's going to be 23 in February. But, you know, if in the first half of these games, it's, let's, get, let's do a lot of KP. You know, let's get Tim some shots, Brunson. Let's get him rolling. Let's get him. Let's get him some looks. Uh, you know, Maxi, Dorian. We want to see them knock some shots down. So, because you know that you have this supercharged offense, and Luca can do whatever he wants in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter of games, maybe in the first half they just sort of mess around and see if anyone's got it going that night. You know, because you have this thing in your bag that you can bring out anytime you want, and if the defense is very good. Then the defense, you're going to be close in these games. You're going to be ahead in some of these games, even. Maybe they'll take a halftime lead in one of these games, skin. But uh, I think, you know, in the early goings, that's what every team is doing. I mean, geez, Denver just lost to Cleveland last night. Like, good teams are going to lose early in the year. It, it's, it's just how it's going to go. Uh, but I think as long as you're searching for answers, right, then it's, it's, losses are still very bad especially now that with the with the plan in place and everything but you have some leeway in the early part of the year to find what works especially whenever you know that you have old reliable in your back pocket at any point you know i i agree with everything you're saying there by the way were you hearing my dogs barking in the background no not at all not at all Oh, that's great um don't ever have three dogs at one time bobby it's a it's a it's a rookie mistake um but uh I could repeat uh, everything I just said word no, for no, word. No, no, no. I, I, oh, okay. I, heard, I heard what you said, and then I got uh, sidetracked by my really great point uh, that probably had to do with multiple usage rates and trying different things early on, knowing that Luca could come out and have that massive third quarter, uh, which is kind of what you were referencing there. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. I, I, I think you and I are on the same page on this stuff, but even so, with it being early in the year, do you – as someone who wants things to go well for the Mavs feel additional pressure to get two home wins this week. When you look at how tough the Western conference is and assume that the Rockets are in the bottom four and everyone seems to think San Antonio should be in the bottom four, but they're San Antonio and they never go out without kicking ass. Like, you know, I'm agreeing with everything and I believe in all this stuff, but even still, I don't want to look back at the end of the year when it's position time ago. Did we really lose our first two home games to Houston and San Antonio? Are you kidding me? Like, I feel pressure for tonight's game for the Mavericks to go out and be the second-half team they were against Toronto. Yeah, absolutely, especially because – so you get Houston and then San Antonio, and then Denver on the second night of a back-to-back -back on Friday. Right. And then right. you come home and play the Kings. Okay, so you got the 86 Celtics rolling in here on Sunday. And then you play Miami. So it's like you got a bunch of tough games coming up. Yeah. Right. And so uh, you don't want to you don't want to kind of play with your food and mess around here. And so while we're kind of talking about like, oh, it's early patience, all that stuff, like you still got to win. And Dude. I kind of like, you know, to that end, I, I like that Luca played like 38 minutes or 39 minutes against Toronto because it's yeah. like, dude, oh, the, the difference psychologically between 0 and 2 and 1 and 1 is like it's immeasurable. And yeah. so I'm OK with every now and then 
Luca, you might have to play 42 minutes tonight, my guy, because like we got to win this game. But ideally, your roster and your performance is such that you don't have to do that nightly. You can do that like a couple times a month. Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree with all that. And and by the way, have you watched Houston play yet this year? Jalen Green is a freaking maniac. Okay, so I haven't watched him play yet. I've only looked at box scores and seen a couple of highlights. Who's bringing the ball up for that? Uh, I mean, Kevin Porter and Jalen Green just kind of take turns, man. And then, so is it kind of like last year with uh, Edwards in Minnesota when he was? Yeah, kind of, kind of. I, I mean, because because Green is quick and Porter's quick, they can get where they want to go. And then you got Christian Wood out there who has a lot of ball skills too. I mean, and I, like Eric Gordon, he's not playing point guard, but like they have they have it's kind of by committee. I would be very frustrated if I was uh, our good buddy Coach Silas and I was rolling out a rookie and a second-year player in my backcourt. Uh, <laughs> no matter how talented those guys are and how good they'll be one day, that would that would cause me a lot of stress. Yeah. So um, I definitely don't want to. Uh, I, de- I definitely don't want to. You know, play with your food as you said on, on this game. Um, you got to take them seriously and you got to jump on them early. And, and yeah, well, they don't have anyone. I mean, I guess they have Jayshon Tate, who did give Luca some problems in one of those games last year. And Dallas right. did lose to Houston twice last year. So, you know, yeah. everyone, everyone uh, don't take anything for granted in, in no. life. No, absolutely not. This is something that, uh, this is something that you got to build on, but it, it is, uh, you know, you start feeling really good about your team and then you pull out the conference and look at it and go, damn, like there are so many freaking good teams in the West. So, and I, and I, and even saying that the top heavy part seems to be in the East, right? Where you're talking about, two or three top teams and in the west it's like this and they're all good and they all seem to be on the same plateau so uh so these came these games even though they're early in the year do seem to take on a greater significance for that reason Mm. what do you like why i mean it's you don't even it's impossible to even answer this question but like their home record the last couple of years has just not been very – it's been good. They've been above 500. Like, last year they were 21 and 15. That's fine. No, but like, no. If you want to avoid you're, the play-in, if, if you want home court, you got to be, yeah. like, closer to 75% than, like, 60%. Yes. Uh, you're not supposed to have the same Rome, uh, home and road record. Yeah. Um, and Which they did last year. And uh, this is something, again, you know, I was talking to Devin and Dana about that, and Devin and I just spit out the same answer immediately. It's like, you know, you play 41 home games – how many of those are you supposed to win? 30? Yeah. 32? Give or take. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the other thing, too, is it's really hard to fathom the last 18 months in general. Not just NBA. So they've had two full NBA seasons in 18 months, and it's it's just so weird to process all of it. But things are finally back to normal. And even, you know, the, the restrictions at the AAC uh, apparently are going to be pulled back eventually to match the, the, the Dallas data. So, you know, I kind of look at this as even though we're all going to be wearing masks that we're back to normal. And um, so there's no more excuses and no more weirdness. And this is a new regime. And part of that new regime is you better protect your home floor. Uh, So I want to see a, a, a fun team to watch that's doing the right things. That's feeding off the energy of their crowd and this is what we got accustomed to at the AAC for a decade or so during the glory years. So, yeah, because the Mavs in the middle of the 2000s, they're 
like one year they won 35, 36 games at home. I mean, it seemed like every year they were winning between 30 and 35, basically. And you have like, when you and, and those are realistic expectations if you think that you're a very good to great team. Yeah, and well, and, and like it's a dollars and cents thing, man. Like if you want to be top four, like you have to win a lot of games. Like last yeah. year, I mean, just in general, but last year the Mavs went 21 and 15 on the road. Terrific road record. Like very, very good. I want to say they were top four in the West in road wins. But 21 and 15 at home yeah. is like maybe top eight. And, you know, they finished fifth. So, like, you have to right. win. You got to win. Now that you're playing 30 or 41, like you said, you got to win at least 30 because you're going to have teams like Denver that are going to win like 36. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know who the top, I mean, the Golden State and Utah, they're always winning 35 games at home. Even when Golden State is bad, they're winning a ton of games at home. Uh, so there is something about, and and maybe it's maybe it is playing better defense. Maybe defense is better at home. I haven't looked at the, I haven't I haven't studied my numbers on that. But like teams that are better defensively, maybe defense is maybe defense travels, but maybe defense is really good at home too. <laughs> home is where the heart is. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Literally, that's that's what it that's what it takes. But what are there kind of? I mean, it's only been two games, man. So it's hard to look like too much into the good or the bad, but. Have there been any any uh, good things or any bad things that you've noticed that are kind of annoying you or that you're curious to to look to watch for in the next week or so? I would like to ask your opinion on this because I didn't realize it was a big deal until after the game. When you were watching game two against Toronto, did you ever during that game go, man, what is the deal with Reggie Bullock's minutes? Yeah, that was kind of a deal after the game. Um I mean, I don't know. Uh, he was, what, 0 for 3 in game one or 1 for 4 or something? And he um, missed it. He, he came out and missed his first two threes immediately. But I, I, I'm, I'm even – I'm going to reject game one, okay? I'm gonna everyone just, is very bad in game one, to be honest. I'm going to um, watch uh, – I'm watching game two, and did you ever during that game go, where the hell's Reggie Bullock? What's going on, man? I mean, not really, but I also understand that, you know – He's kind of the signature addition or the key addition of the offseason. So I think people want to see him play a lot of minutes. But there is, I mean, if the Mavs are committed to playing two bigs and Maxi is more of a wing, but he's playing power forward. So he's occupying wing minutes, big minutes, whatever. Right. It's always going to be two of Porzingis, Collystein, Powell, Maxi on the floor. And then you could throw Moses Brown and Boban in there too if you want. Then there is a pretty significant logjam in the backcourt because you know Luke is going to play a million. You know, yeah. Tim is going to play a million. Brunson and Finney Smith are going to get a lot. And so, like, your Sterling Browns, Reggie Bullocks, Josh Green, who has barely played at all, Trey Burke, I think, played garbage time in Atlanta. Like, everyone else is going to be vying for a very, very low number of minutes. I think eventually, um, you know, he missed, like, a week or so of camp or whatever. So I think eventually we'll see him closer to, like, 24, 25, 26 even. Um, but I wonder, too, I mean, in the past he has missed some games. And so I wonder if – I wonder if this is part of like some gear up plan. I have no idea. I have I, no well, idea. I, I don't. I don't know the answer. Uh, yeah. uh, but but let me just give you my perspective on this. And this is not the way NBA substitutions work. Okay. But just real basically, if a starter averages thirty minutes a game, okay, then there's eighteen minutes a game left at each position. All right. And that's by the way, starters don't average thirty. It depends. Bigs maybe, but guards tend to average more. Hell, there was one year where I think Finley averaged 42 minutes under Nelly. It didn't miss a game. <laughs> nah, playing with planner fashion is like, what the yeah, hell? Um, but anyways, uh, I'm just doing real basic math here. And so 
I never once during the course of that game, it, and when you're calling the game, you're thinking about different things. By the way, I'm not criticizing anybody for asking Jason Kidd this. Um, I was more interested in all the reaction to Jason Kidd's answer because I think if I was Jason Kidd, I would have had the same answer like, wait, what? What? We're talking about Reggie Bullock's minutes? But, but let me just say this. I thought that Jalen Brunson and Maxi Kleba in, t- in the Toronto game were far and away the best reserves. My opinion, I thought they were substantially the best reserves. Jalen Brunson played 23 and Maxi played 20. Reggie played twice as many minutes as Sterling Brown. And so I'm just, I don't, I understand we need content. I understand all this stuff, but I'm like, is this really a story in game two? Holy. And not even like, not even asking the question. I think it's a fair question, but I'm like all the reaction and chatter. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. This is like, I can't believe the third best bench player in that game were questioning the amount of minutes he played. It's not like he was benched. It's not like he didn't play. He played the third most bench minutes and the most significant signing was Tim Hardaway Jr. by a million miles. That was the number one priority. And Tim Hardaway Jr. told Jason Kidd, I want to start. And Jason Kidd said, cool, you're starting. And so unless they do go to a smaller lineup, which I wouldn't be surprised if they did, and maybe Reggie starts in that scenario, or maybe Maxi starts, I think you've got to be real careful with Maxi's minutes personally for yeah. the rest of his NBA career. He's very vital to this team and his minutes need to be managed. He's not a young guy. He's had an injury. That's why he wasn't on NBA radars was because of the injuries he had in his early twenties. So yeah. uh, I-, I was just curious what your thought was on that. Uh, I'm not criticizing. I actually really like Nick who asked the question I've gone on his podcast before. I really like Nick and Isaac both are great dudes. I was just more concerned, not concerned, just like sort of blown away by all the reaction of, yeah, what's going on here? Oh, my God. I'm like, what? He just played 17 minutes at a win. I don't – what are we doing here, man? Yeah, I mean, realistically, like, he's not going to take minutes from Tim, and he's definitely not going to take minutes from Luca. And the minutes where Tim and Luca aren't on the floor, probably Brunson gets all of those. And so, really, it's like Bullock versus Dorian, as it stands right now, because it's two bigs. Or to your point, yeah, Bullock versus Dwight Powell. And you know what? Uh, I don't know. Well, what's for starting happen. lineup, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. If you're big, small, yeah. No, no, no. But I'm even talking about like, uh, you know, when you go to your bench, do you come back with four wings? Oh, right? okay, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and the other thing too is like we're seeing Willie as the part of the first substitution in the first two games, and well, Willie didn't know. play at all in the second half. Yeah, so I'm going. Yeah. Okay, are we not going to see that moving forward? I just, uh, I get it, man. It's sports talk, and we need content. And there's people are awake. So, you know, maybe if people slept more, we wouldn't have all this crap. But I would love to sleep more. I would, too. I would love it so much. I just uh, I I think if uh, if Reggie Bullock comes out in the Atlanta game and drains those two corner threes to start the game, I I bet he ends up playing a lot more. When against a team like tonight, Houston plays very small. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he plays 25 minutes tonight simply by virtue of the fact that Houston is very small. Whereas, you know, Atlanta is a little bigger. I haven't watched them, but they're starting Tyson Woods together. Yeah, they're starting Tyson Wood, and then um, off the bench, they have uh, Alperin Shangun, the the Turkish guy. He's like 18, 19 years old, um, and he's like a he's like a very classic big. Um, but otherwise, you know, they're pretty small, and Tyson's pretty small for a center power forward too. He's like six seven, six eight. 
Um, so, you know, not the biggest team. So I think <clears throat> the Mavs might play smaller night, but, you know, moving forward, and this is like, even this, this is the case with Rick, where they are bringing back a lot of the same players. Like Rick would always use the first 15, especially, but really the first like 40 games of the season to like tinker, see what works and what doesn't. And by the end of the year, they're rolling out completely different lineups and rotation patterns and everything than they were in November. And so, you know, I, I don't know. They're, the stuff that you're going to see on the floor and the people that we're going to see on the floor running the stuff you see on the floor is going to be dramatically different, almost guaranteed two months from now, good or bad, you know, um, than, than what we're seeing right now. So I, I would say just, you know, I, I know it's boring to say just, uh, just we'll see what happens. But, like, that's all we could say at this point. We're 141st of the way through the year. So Yeah, and, and let me just say this, too. Uh, if you if you feel offended by the way Jason Kidd answers a question, I would just like you to recontextualize that answer against the way Rick answered questions or the way Popovich answered questions. And then, uh, you know, sit back and go, hey, man, it is early. Everybody's settling into a groove. Let's not overreact to anything because it could be wildly different in two or three weeks. And it probably will. I, th- I think Bullock is going to end up averaging well over 20 a game. Will he get to like 30 a game? Probably not. 25 a game? I think it's realistic. Yeah, and he's not a starter, so it's unlikely that there's very few bench players that get up to 30 minutes a game. Um, And so, but I do think, you know, to your original point, I think there'll be plenty of times where Dorian and Reggie will be out on the floor together, uh, and that'll be a fun defensive lineup. Nice. A lot of shooting, a lot of defense. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Well, this is fun. This is a Fast and Furious pod. Uh, like I said, we're, we're trying to do this every week. We're trying to do this every week. And, we will. Uh, yeah, yeah. And when, uh, this is going to be on YouTube as well. So if you watch on YouTube, great. If you listened, I hope you had a great listen. I hope you all have a great rest of the week. Mavs, Rockets tonight, Valley Sports Southwest. You can catch the pregame at 7. You can catch the tip-off at 7.30. You can catch Skin on TV all the time and on the radio too, which is uh, where he's going right now as soon as we finish this pod. So, Skin, have a great, uh, have a great call. Have a great broadcast. Have a great life. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. All right. See you, Bobby. Catch you later. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Have a great week.